0: Hey, it's producer Michael Miracle here with a quick word of thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. It's folks like you who make this workplace movement work. That's why we strive to highlight great authors and experts who bring phenomenal insight on how to bring Jesus into your workplace. Share this podcast with your friends, family, and co-workers, and together we'll make the I Work For Him mission a success. Thanks again for listening. Let's start the podcast. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio, and on Tuesdays,
1: it's together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha.
0: Hey, as we tackle on Tuesdays marriage and relationship issues today, we're heading more towards the relationship side as we talk about broken trust. We'll explain that in just a minute. But thanks for tuning into our work for him this afternoon. As Martha and I love having you join us as we just talk about issues that we have had to deal with. And we're trying to help you be able to deal with it because if we're dealing with them, you're probably dealing with them too. And we always try to find guests and authors and highlight ministries that are helping us connect our faith to what we do each and every day. Help us connect what we hear on Sundays, what we do in our nine to five. And to recognize that our marriages, our relationships, they are a huge impact on the community around us. If our marriages are strong, then our witness is strong. But if our marriages are weak, People are looking at us going, hey, well, there's nothing really different about Jim and Martha's marriage, so why don't really, they're Christians, what's the big deal? So that's why we talk about it on Tuesdays, because if your marriage is a mess, your relationships are a mess, it impacts your witness everywhere you go.
1: Okay, he's looking at me like I'm going to say something. (laughs) Well, I thought
0: you had some comment. Well,
1: well, I totally agree with that. And I think that um, really, and I know you're going to talk about this, but our topic today, something people deal with, people that deal with being hurt and having broken trust, which is the name of the book that we're going to talk about, um, need to learn. How do I move, get past this, but not just move on, learn and become who God wants me to become as a result of what i've been through
0: you know the church is jesus idea it's a good idea we need to do everything we can to support the church the body of christ working together living together solving problems together however there's problems in the church that's because people are involved it's so easy to get involved in the politics of the church and think it's about me or you Then there are other issues within the body of Christ. People who use the Bible to rule over people or or control people or abuse people. Let's face it, we've all been hurt within the church at one point in time or another. But we need to remember, Jesus can heal all things. He came to restore all things. He can take your pain and use it to encourage someone else. We have to deal with this pain in the church so that it isn't more attractive. It is attractive to the lost world that lives hopeless without Jesus. If we're bitter and rejecting the church and bad-mouthing the church, then how can we expect people to be attracted to the church, to be attracted to Jesus? Understand that when I say the church, I'm not t- talking about the four walls church or church denominations. I'm talking about the body of Christ, which has members in it from every tribe and every nat- nation, both the rich and the poor, the young and the old. And, and we're going to talk about it today. We're talking about this book, Broken Trust by Remy Dietrich. He wrote this book, and I got a hold of it. And I just could, after I started reading, I couldn't set it down because this is something that we've definitely experienced and definitely want to share with our audience. Remy Diederich, welcome to I Work For Him.
2: Good to be with you today, Jim and Martha.
0: We're so excited to ha- highlight your book. And, and, and you know, I, I can't imagine this book was an easy book to write uh, because you're a pastor, right? Right, right. So, I mean, did you write this book from... Uh, it, it, from your heart, because of things you've experienced, or things you've seen, or things people have accused you of. I mean, well, what, where did the book come <laughs> from? Uh,
2: not from what I've accused. Uh, not from what I've been accused of. Just, just to back up a little bit, broken trust. So the, the subtitle to the to the book is a practical guide to identify and recover from toxic faith, toxic church, and spiritual abuse. So that's what we're talking about. You were talking about kind of marital relationships, and I think. I think spiritual abuse and toxic faith can definitely play into marital relationships. But yeah, well, I wrote the book for a couple of reasons. One, I had experienced what I consider toxic faith and spiritual abuse in my life, but I didn't really think about that. It was years ago I moved on and put it in my past. But now that I'm a pastor, we continually have people come into our church who have been hurt deeply um, in their ch- past church experiences. And so I've taken note of that, and we've tried to be a safe place for, for people. But then uh, about two or three years ago, there's a church not too far from our city that I have some familiarity with that went through uh, a spiritually abusive situation, and it just brought all, all of my past experience up to the forefront. And so I started writing blog posts uh, really to, to the, hoping the people from that church would read them, which they did, and speak some truth and some insights, some practical next steps into their situation. And then after I wrote all those blog posts, I you know I thought, okay, that's done. I, I, I did what I was supposed to do. But then I noticed that of all the posts I've written, hundreds of posts through the years on my blog, but those those uh, blog posts that I had written about toxic faith and spiritual abuse, they were the the top top red post of all my posts, and I thought, you know what, maybe that's a book. Maybe I should, I've written a number of other books, and I thought maybe that's my next book to talk about toxic faith and spiritual abuse.
0: So as a pulpit pastor in Menominee, Wisconsin, which, you know...
2: I you said that very well. I'm very impressed. The first time oh, I said
0: that. That's no, because I'm from Minnesota, so I know how to say it. Oh, so. really? Good to see you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, you're right. People are going, Menominee. Right, yeah. right, Menoma money. Menoma money. That's what it is. All right. Yeah. Menominee, Wisconsin. All right. So how did the Lord lead you to being a pulpit pastor there in Menominee, Wisconsin?
2: Well, we would take, a, like... Uh, 10 hours to go through that. I'll give you the short version. Uh, I So I grew up in Bloomington, Minnesota, and that's spent all my early years there. went to the University of Minnesota. That's where I met my wife. And I lived there for about another 10 years until I moved to Wisconsin. I was involved in uh, ministry uh, right out of college. Uh, I went to seminary initially, and then I really got disillusioned with church. And so I for some toxic reasons. And so my wife and I left the church. We didn't leave the faith, but we left the church and said, you know, this just isn't working. We were part of a big church. We were part of a small church. And they were both bad situations. And we thought there just must be something wrong with organized religion. And so we got together with two other couples and we moved to Western Wisconsin, where I still live today. And we bought, I don't live on the farm, but we bought a farm at the time with these two other families. And we said, we're just going to love Jesus and love each other and just leave it at that. you know. And we're not going to deal with the church. We're going to be church, the six of us, and that's what brought us here. And then that kind of fell apart. That you know, we were very idealistic. That didn't work so well. Mm-hmm. So after we were there for seven years, I really felt that God, God was saying to me, you know, Remy, uh, I understand that the church isn't perfect, but neither are you. <laughs> and I felt He called me back into the church. So we, I started my wife and I started attending a local church here in town, and then we. Um, I got back into, they just saw some giftedness in me, I taught some things, and they, they invited me to be on staff, and so I became a, first a part-time pastor with that ch- local church, and then a full-time pastor, and then after a few years, we uh, got permission for them to go launch out and start our own church. So then I started uh, the church that I, one, I'm one of the pastors on the staff here now, 15 years ago, it's called Cedarbrook Church here in Menominee.
0: Uh, and that's cool. Now, now, were you a PWB Bloomington person, or Kennedy?
2: Uh, what's PWB?
0: Prestigious West Bloomington.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're funny. Uh, yeah, I was PWB. I'd never heard that before, but I, I went to church. That's Jefferson
1: because. Act, so.
0: That's because all my friends are from Kennedy, and they, because and, and, we went to church in Bloomington uh, okay. growing up. That's where Martha and I met. We met and at got church. In, in Bloomington, that's right. in Minnesota. That's right. Wow, that's that's amazing. Yes. Small world. It is a small world. Oxboro Evangelical Free Church is where we met. All right, yep. Okay, so Broken Trust. This book you've written, A Practical Guide to Identify and Recover from Toxic Faith, Toxic Church, and Spiritual Abuse. Why don't you just give us some definitions? What is toxic faith?
2: Okay, well, toxic faith is, is pretty simple. It, it, actually, I, throughout the book, I use the book Paul's Letter to the Galatians quite heavily because he does a good job— Paul does a good job of talking about what toxic faith is. What was happening in the Galatian church is that Paul had gone in there and he had preached the gospel to them, that they were they were saved through faith in Christ, and they accepted that and everything was good. He left, and then some Judaizers, that he would call them Judaizers, of Jew, people, Christians, but were Jewish Christians who said, you know, Jesus is great, but you still need to follow the law. And so those poor Galatians, they thought, oh, oh Paul didn't tell us about that, so they started to work back into their faith that they needed to please God by uh, checking off a number of boxes, uh, d- fulfilling a number of performance, you know, hoops that they had to jump through to make God happy. And when Paul found out about that, he wrote them back and he said, you guys, you're crazy. This, this is not what I, I taught from the beginning. You didn't receive the Spirit because you, you did all these religious laws. You received the Spirit because you believed in Jesus Christ. And so a toxic faith is simply trying to pre- perform to please God by... Your religious actions or you know it might be because well i pray for an hour a day i've got to do that an hour a day to keep god happy there's hundreds of things that you might come up with to make that you think will make god happy so that's mm. that's a toxic faith whenever you add something to jesus
0: we are your hosts, jim and martha brangenberg as it's, together on tuesdays we tackle your marriage and relationship issues and speaking of marriage issues martha you just heard the commercial for those people that aren't listening to podcast. if you listen to the podcast that's what we're going to talk about right now We've got the Marriage Retreat Cruise coming up February 8th through the 12th, 2018. We just have a couple of spots left.
1: We do. So um, we would love for somebody to consider this end of the year kind of time to think about next spring. Great and Christmas present. Great Christmas present. Great Thanksgiving present. But if you're going to surprise your spouse, please let us know so we don't like blow it, you know, yeah. by sending you an email. Hey, thanks for registering. And if you've
0: been thinking about it all year, now is the time. It is. Because pretty soon we're going to cut it off. But yeah. we're excited. we got some really, really cool stuff we're going to be talking it's gonna
1: about. It's going to be a good retreat. It
0: will be an amazing, it will be the best one ever, I think.
1: I sure hope
0: so. All right. It's so cruise your way to a better marriage retreat. Go on to iWorkForHim.com. That's iWork, the number for him.com. Click on the events tab and you can find out all about it. And talk to Rick Saltarelli from Salty Breeze Cruise Planners. He'll help you with all the details getting signed up.
1: Don't you just love that name, Salty Breeze? Yes, I do. I can't
0: wait to have a salty breeze in my face later this afternoon. Okay, we're talking today with Remy Diederich. We're talking about his book that he wrote recently called Broken Trust, a practical guide to identify and recover from toxic faith, toxic church, and spiritual abuse. This is a book for every Christ follower who's involved in a church. Why? To learn what not to do, because most of the time, it's not the leaders of the church that are doing stuff. It's the people inside the church, but it's everything. But this is a great resource, God. I loved reading it. I laughed and giggled and cried all the way through the book. Martha?
1: <laughs> so before the break, Remy, we were talking, you were explaining that toxic faith is basically when we take and add anything to our relationship with Jesus. Is that that's kind right. of a good nutshell yeah, that's synopsis a nice there? a way to
2: say it. When you're so, trying to add performance.
1: Uh, okay, so with that, it, describe for us what toxic church
2: is. Well, it's just when that when a, a church takes on that toxic uh, faith mentality. It, it's mm. often very subtle. Uh, a toxic faith is is very subtle in the, the environment of a community. But it's, it's the the things where the, it's implied. It's implied that, like I mentioned before, that well, of course you pray every every morning for an hour, right? And it's very intimidating for people, especially when you're new to the faith, because you feel like you have to live up to these, sometimes they're just unspoken rules that, are, that everyone kind of seems to accept in the church. And it can be very intimidating, like, well, I, I came to Jesus because he, I was told that he accepts me unconditionally. But now that I'm in the church, I'm in the faith, it seems like there's all these expectations that if I don't live up to them, the church is going to reject me. My pastor is going to reject me. And, and God forbid that God might even uh, reject me. So it's, it's not always preached on Sunday, but sometimes when you, uh, throughout the week, it's just implied through the different conversations.
0: Hmm. So is it safe to say that a toxic church, which adopts toxic faith, is really they're adding things to the gospel to help people feel, I mean, to, to tell people this is what's really your your salvation, your relationship with Christ is all contingent upon all these extra things instead of the freedom, instead of presenting the freedom that really came with Christ.
2: Yeah, and and I think churches often speak out of both sides of their mouth. Like I said, we'll preach grace like it's it's God's unconditional love, but yet, oh, don't forget these things that we all know you're you're doing these things, right? Because if you really want to please God, you've got to do these things. And it, I think it puts people in a bit of a double bind because they, they want to keep God happy, and, but they're, so they're hearing all these expectations, and suddenly uh, you, you're, you, you're putting more and more rocks in your backpack, and your faith becomes more of a burden than you ever wanted it or thought it would be because of the expectations that are just kind of in the air.
0: Well, well let's get specific on this. So give us some ex- I mean, is toxic faith in a toxic church, are those things that are just added Oh, you know, like, well, hey, you got to do this and this and this, or is it also you shouldn't do this, this and this? I mean, is well, it both? I
2: think, I think they can they can be both. I mean, I, th- I think maybe in some of the more old school churches, they, there was lots of rules, you know, what mm-hmm. what you could and couldn't do, and some some churches today are still holding have holdovers from that. I mean, even maybe something that is more true in the South than it is in the in the North, but. When people come up from the south like if you aren't using a king james bible then there's just something wrong with you i mean we all know don't we that it's the king james bible and you go oh gee i i didn't know i didn't know that so that's that's just one of the hundreds of expectations that people might put on other christians to make them feel like if you're not doing it right you know then you're really not a good christian i remember one sermon from a pastor many years ago he was talking about praying for your parents, which is a great thing to do. But then he kind of summed up his whole sermon by saying, you know, and if you're not praying for your parents every morning, then you're just not a very good Christian. And I thought, wow, that's, that's a heavy load to put on uh, all of us here at the church to tell us that we're not a very good Christian if we don't pray for our parents every morning to get saved. You know, you know what I'm saying?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you said something about old school, and I was actually thinking in my head, like when I was a kid, we would have probably referred to some of those where it was very apparent that they were just very legalistic and um, had a lot of rules that I couldn't find in my Bible. And, um, you know, that I think, I think we've, we've, Even distorted it a lot more since then, but that's what I remember seeing growing up going, well, how does this reconcile with what I see in scripture? And why would I have to do that if especially the the lesson of grace is being taught?
0: But it's so true on the King James thing because we live south of the south. The south is actually north of here in Tampa Bay, <laughs> right. but we live south of the south. But it is true. People think that well, that is that was the original translation, King James. That was right. the original. I mean, and it was the first English translation. But people forget that it was actually a translation. And the stuff today, we got better tools. We got more tra- uh, manuscripts available to us. I mean, it, the stuff today is more. It, it you get an argument about it, like hey. Whichever one you want to read, it's still all translation. But right. it's it's funny how people get caught up. All right, but I want to talk about why we're talking about this today. Because Christ followers listening to the show today in their workplaces are going, I'm frustrated with the church. I, I, I've I've been hurt by the church, and I'm having a hard time inviting my friends that I work with to church or the people that I live with in my neighborhood to the church because I'm I, I'm I, I'm I'm not sure I want to invite anybody that to that environment, right. exactly. and, and so. We wanted to be able to talk about some of the solutions, but we got one more definitions to provide. What What is the definition of spiritual abuse?
2: Well, spiritual abuse kind of takes toxic faith to the next level. I may mean, have said that spiritual abuse is really the fruit of toxic faith. If you're, if you're around toxic faith long enough, I think spiritual abuse is going to happen. And that is where people start to use their faith to manipulate and control other people for their own benefit. And so I... That, and it can get it can be subtle it can be subtle just like because I'm convinced that I'm right Jim I want you and Martha to to live your your Christianity just the way I want it to be lived because I think I'm so right or to the extreme where I might be trying to control you with like, with mind control I might be you know even forming a, a type of cult or it, the worst case scenario would probably be uh, sexual abuse where pastors have taking advantage of people in their congregation sexually, uh, but justifying it spiritually to the people, having power over people using God and the Bible and, and their their spiritual authority.
1: You know, I want to interject something there, because something you said just made me realize that to a certain extent, and this is why we're talking about it, about it on the air, is we all need to check ourselves because you made the comment that, you know, um, spiritual abuse can be in the form of, well, I just believe that the way I believe it is right, so you need to be like me. And I know that there are areas of my life where I am guilty of that. And yeah. I don't mean to be, but because I've ha- allowed something performance-based to to define my my own faith, I expect everybody else to follow that as well. So I think that's a good challenge for all of us to say, let's make sure we're not being toxic in any way because we certainly don't want it to lead to spiritual abuse.
2: Yeah, I and, think that's really true. And I, I just had to admit, I mean, in the book, I admit, you know, in my younger days, what, with my passion and zeal and probably ignorance, that I was spir- spiritually abusive in some of my leadership because I just, I was so convinced, like, God's, God has spoken this to me. This is what I need to do. And so I would impose what I felt he was telling me to do on other people, like, hey, you need to do this too. And I I wasn't trying to be abusive, but just because I was ignorant doesn't mean I wasn't abusive. So I think think many people can end up uh, certainly being toxic and possibly even abusive with their faith and how they impact other people around them.
0: Well, and it's understanding that because you experience God one way doesn't mean the next person is going to experience God the same way, because we're seven billion different people all created in the image of God. So we all experience God a little bit differently. But I will tell you, growing up in the upper Midwest, like you, you know, I grew up in Burnsville, you grew up in, in Bloomington, so across the river from each other, we grew up in a very conservative area that even though there was a lot of denominations, they were all very similar, and very few people were radical in their faith, uh, at least that's what I saw. And, and so when somebody was radical in their faith, a lot of them got, you know, if somebody started talking about being moved by the Holy Spirit, you're like, wow, you don't fit into Minnesota. You know, I mean, it's like, wait, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit here. So it's it, it's how do we deal with the differences in the faith and embrace them because we all experience God differently. All right, we're back with Remy Diederich as we're talking about his book and the topic of really toxic faith, spiritual abuse, toxic church, all these things, kind of the negative side of church, some of the things that we've all experienced, but... But to understand that Jesus came to heal all these things, and sometimes we're called to heal some of them, or bring healing, and sometimes we're called to walk away. But I think, Remy, that's the question I want to start with next, is how do we know if we're involved in a toxic, spiritual, abusive situation? How do we know?
2: Well, I think, like I mentioned when you asked, who who did I write this for? I think sometimes people get in a situation, and it is um, it, it's not always clear at first, but I think you can just check your, you know, what is your spirit saying to you? When you start to feel uh, pressured or intimidated or guilted into serving or uh, giving your money or maybe just even attending a service, and this, there seems to be pressure, like there's, there's unspoken pressure to, to uh, show up in these different areas. It's like, well, wait a, what are you saying if I don't give and if I don't serve and if I don't show up on Sunday? What are you saying about me? Is there some kind of implied um, denigration of me as a person? Am I not a good a uh, person or Christian in your eye? And so I think that's what makes it toxic when you start to feel like there's certain hoops you need to jump through in order to make other people happy.
1: Mm, that's that's great. So what then, are some of the? Oh, go ahead.
2: Well, I was just going to say, and beyond that, when it becomes abusive, when you start to when you start to feel that your leaders are actually trying to take advantage of you through in, through maybe their spiritual intimidation or their mastery of the bible or their special doctrine then it gets really scary that they're trying to control your life and manipulate you manipulate you to their own end so it's like like i said it starts with toxic faith but if you let that run wild it can become very abusive
0: well and it becomes more about the people than about jesus and i think that's maybe another clue people can sure. uh, kick into right. you know
1: and it, and again, just reminding people that it may not be super obvious. It could start with those simple things like, well, if you're not in the doors three times a week and you're not doing this or doing that, you know, it's not always things that are um, immediately a check in your spirit. It just may be, oh, that's how they do things here. But if it becomes where that is more um, then about the relationship, then, you know, really checking on that. So when people are running into these kind of situations, um, a lot of people won't confront them. Uh,
2: right.
1: Wh- why is that?
2: Well, there's, there's a number of reasons. that I mean, my maybe a, a, a question before that is what do you do mm-hmm. when you do when you find out that you're in a toxic okay. or abusive situation? And my answer to that is, is very simple, either to leave or to confront it you know, leave or confront it. I, I compare it to being in a, a burning building. What, what do you do when you're in a, a burning building? Either you try to put it out, if, that's, if, it, if it's at all possible, you want to put it out. But if you can't put it out, if, if that fire is too big for you, you just got to get out of there. And I think it's very true, and the same, same is true in a, when you're in a spiritually abusive church or a toxic church. Either you need to confront it if you feel like you have the wherewithal to confront it, or you have to leave. And some people, to answer your immediate question here, I think, there's a lot of reasons why people won't confront it, and I think they're all good reasons. I mean, one is just that people, one of the reasons people go to a spiritual church community is because they want community, they want friends, they want support system. And if you leave that church, you're leaving your family, you're leaving your church family. So some people weigh, you know, weigh the, the pros and the cons, and they say, well, I, I love these people, I'm going to stay, because my friends are here, even though I don't like, I don't like the you know the envir- the toxic environment. So that's one reason. Mm-hmm. Another reason is just that people are afraid of being wrong. They're like, well, I think I think it's toxic, but what if I'm wrong? And and maybe taking that to an extreme, what if I'm not only wrong, but what if what if God judges me for leaving the church? You know, people might have a, a very negative view of God, and they might be afraid that God's going to somehow punish them for leaving the church.
0: Mm. What would how would you describe? a toxic leader, church leader? I mean, what would that look like?
2: Uh, well, it, it comes from, from many different... Uh, there's many reasons why a, a leader might be toxic. I think a, lot of, uh, a fundamental reason for a to- leader being toxic is often their own insecurity. And they need to be affirmed by their followers. And so they are often putting themselves in a position of control over people because that that empowers them that makes them feel valuable that makes them feel spiritual to be for, to have people under their power so when you start to feel that uh, vortex that that they're creating a force field that draws everything to themselves and like Martha said you know away from Jesus and towards themselves i think you start to go wait a minute here this person isn't pouring his life out like the apostle paul was he'd often talk about how he poured his life out for his people for his the churches but if you see that someone is using the church people for their own benefit, you go, "This, is, this, he's got, or he or she, they have it backwards here. There's something significantly wrong here." Mm.
1: You know, I just want to tie that back to um, what we talk about every day. On I work for him, and the fact that in our workplace um, we may be the only Jesus that. The people around us ever see and with this in mind i think of how many people we have known over the years that part of their story is they may say well, i got burned by the church And I, or I left the church or my family, you know, whatever, and, you know, fill in the blank about the church. There are so many people that have, unfortunately, this is part of their story. And I love the fact that you've given a resource that can help people um, process it because we don't want to bring that into our workplace and, and just stay in the damage and stay in that Hurt. So um, I just was thinking about the fact that if that if that's where our testimony ends, well, we left because we were hurt. We didn't like it. You know, it was it was bad. Then that is what the non-Christ followers around us are going to remember.
0: Well, and I think that's really where we want to turn the conversation, Mm -hmm. Remy, because your book isn't just full of, hey, here's all the negatives. Your book is full of, here's how you can move forward. And it's so powerful, because I'll be honest with you, one of the things I've learned is that a lot of people who call themselves atheists are former churchgoers. exactly, uh, And and they've been burned by the church in one way or the other, and that turned them against God. So I think it's really important that we understand how after we have experienced a toxic faith or a toxic church or spiritual abuse, how do we get healing?
2: Yeah, I was talking. Uh, I was doing another interview just the other day, and, and the the interviewer was saying, you know, that this book is for church people. And I said, well, uh, just let me pause there. It's yes, it's for church people. But I think so. just what you just said, there's so many people who have left the church because of a toxic situation. I really think this book is probably uh, also for people that have left the church, people that no longer would identify as a Christian, because if they could read something like this and go, oh, wait a minute, maybe I gave up too soon. Maybe I was a part of... that wasn't Christianity. What that was, was toxic. And that was even abusive. And if I would have known that, I could have done some things. So I'm, I'm hoping that some people will read this book and it'll it'll help them to understand what they were a part of and why they they left mad and and I'm really agreeing with them. I'm saying you know you should have left that church. Leaving was the right thing to do.
0: All right. So the getting healing though. I mean there, I mean you you said hey we're either going to confront or we're going to leave and that's the beginning of the process. Yeah. But it's because a lot of people a lot of times people have waited a long time to confront or to leave. Right. How how do they go about recovering? Because it's almost like a little church. And not to downplay this, but it's like a little church PTSD. Yeah, you know, they,
2: they,
0: how did they do it?
2: Definitely. And I, uh, I, I. Another reason I wrote the book is I really want people to seek healing. From my observation, I've talked to so many people this past year in the writing of the book, just really hundreds of people who have come out of bad church experiences. And it's really like a deer in a headlight. They they come out of the situation and they're they're paralyzed. They can't go back to church because there's too many bad memories. There's just like everything, everything about going back into church after you've been in a toxic or abusive situation, it triggers you to remember what happened to you, and so I'm just really shocked at how many people can't return, and then I'm also shocked that people really aren't doing anything. You know, they're not seeking counseling, they're not they're not getting any kind of support for their condition, probably because they just don't know. They didn't they didn't know that 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 was even a possibility, that they, you know, mm-hmm. that they here, they are a spiritual abuse survivor, then that they never, never thought that that was even a possibility.
0: Right. All right, we're talking with Remy Diederich today about his book, Broken Trust. A Practical Guide to Identify and Recover from Toxic Faith, Toxic Church, and Spiritual Abuse. It's a book written by our guest today, Remy Diederich. And I want to give you a copy of this book. Call into the studio line 877-943-9673. If you have experienced toxic faith, toxic church, or spiritual abuse, this is a book that will help begin the healing process. And it's a book you can share. 877-943-9673. Remy, I think it was really important for me as I read through this book is I didn't realize, I kind of thought, because I've been told I was the problem, that I was the problem. And then I read your book and I started realizing, hey, this, I, I really believe I was a victim here to a certain extent. Now, I believe I caused some of the problem, but I believe the rest of it was, you know, I questioned, I, 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 I'm asked questions of people that didn't like questions to be asked. And that caused me to get ostracized, but that's not really a bad thing to ask questions, and that was one of the signs that you brought up hey, if you've got a leader that can't be asked questions, that gets to be a little dangerous
2: yeah, I think leaders really they need to show some uh, vulnerability uh, on on their part is to to be transparent and so when someone like you uh, a church member comes forward and asks honest questions and maybe you know maybe you don't do it in the right spirit, maybe you are critical, but I think that's that's really, it's up to the leader to show some humility and even listen to someone who's very critical and say, you know, I want to listen to you. I want to hear what you have to say. If there's anything that that you are concerned about, I'm happy to go the second mile to help you to to uh, see from my perspective. And if I'm wrong, I'm I'm going to admit it and I'm going to change. So I think for whatever reason, a lot of pastors are just very defensive when it comes to getting input or any criticism for the church and they unfortunately will put themselves in a a position of authority I mean they they have authority but I mean they elevate themselves like we're untouchable no you don't get it you don't ask us questions we ask you questions and then and oftentimes people get kicked out or or shoved out um, because they didn't they didn't agree with the pastor and I think that's unfortunate
1: you know, I just want to say, though, um, one thing I was thinking about as you were explaining that is the fact that um, we all fall short on the side of affirming our leadership. And so um, I just want to encourage people um, with that, that, you know, they do get, I'm sure, a way uh, larger amount of criticism than affirmation.
0: So, Remy, let's just ask you, you're a pastor of a church. How, how big's your church? How many people, regular attenders, do you have at your church?
2: How about 500.
0: Okay, so you got five hundred people at your church there in Menominee, Wisconsin. What's the name of your church again?
2: Uh, Cedar Brook Church.
0: Cedar Brook Church. Just in case there's people listening from Cheesehead Land, or Minneapolis, <laughs> St. Paul, or <laughs> right. Wisconsin, and they're going on a vacation in Menominee, or they're living trip. there. Yeah, they, 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 Cedar Brook Church with Pastor Remy Diederich. Okay, how if you do something in your church that people disagree with, how easy is it to approach you one on one and have a conversation?
2: Uh. From what what people tell me, I think it's pretty easy, (laughs) and I think actually people are surprised at uh, how open I am to to hear about it, because oftentimes people's experience with a spiritual leader hasn't been good. They've been shut down, and so I've been kind of, I try to bend over backwards to get to them as quickly as possible, hear what they have to say, and respond as, as quickly as I can. I may not always agree with people. I might have my reasons for why we do what we do, but I want to honor people's perspective because we're the body of Christ and we, we all have value in, in our opinions and our thoughts and I, I find it just a really rich experience when everyone shares their perspective. I think we all become better for it rather than just saying, hey this is the way everyone agree with the leadership and you know conformity is not unity. you know calling mm-hmm. for everyone to agree with what the leadership has to say that's not unity. that's just conformity. So I think unity is when we can all share, our opinions and we can respect each other and then we can agree on maybe one thing as a result of listening to all the different ideas
1: that is great so you were talking about we were talking about healing and yeah. a huge part of healing is forgiveness so how do people that have um, experienced a toxic faith toxic church uh, spiritual abuse how did they move into that forgiveness
2: yeah, you know, one thing that I think, I, I have one of my other books is, is on forgiveness. It's called Stuck. When, pe- when people get stuck in anger, uh, I help them to figure out how to forgive. But I think what happens and where we make a mistake when it comes to forgiveness is we focus on the, the person who betrayed us or the person who hurt us. And there's something in us that just wants justice so much that we we it's like we don't want to forgive until they do something for us. And as long as we're locked into that pattern of looking to the person who let us down to somehow restore us, I think we'll never be able to move on. What we really need to do is look to God for what he can give to us. So I've got this big hole in my heart because someone betrayed me. It's not real, I mean, if you think about it logically, going to the person that stole from you, stole something from your heart, they probably can't fill your heart. So I need to go get my heart filled up. It's not going to be filled up by, by the person who offended me. It's going to be filled up by God. So I would just encourage people, uh, to, because some people can just obsess over their hurt for years and they never move on. If you can shift from looking for payback, you know, for the person who hurt you to restore you, and if you can turn your attention to God and say, God, I've got this huge hole in my heart. I, my offender is not going to fill up that hole. God, I need you to fill up that hole. And once, once you open yourself up to that, I think God will start to fill your heart and then you will be able to offer forgiveness to the person that hurt you so much.
0: So how do you see people recovering or people suffering from toxic faith, toxic church, or spiritual abuse, how do you see that leaking into their workplaces, their daily life?
2: I think sometimes it can be easy when you're in a a workplace, and if you just have a superficial conversation, about, oh, do you go to church? Yeah, I go to church. We can assume that, oh, these people are Christians and everything's good at their church because they're good church people. The truth might be that everyone might be going to church, but every, everyone could be having some struggles in that church. And if, if you're having struggles in your church and you're a, you're a dedicated Christian, that's going to weigh on you just like a bad marriage. And so I think from an employer's standpoint, it's, it's important for an employer to be sensitive to the fact that, you know, that person might not, they might have trouble in their home, but they might have trouble in their church too, and and these are things gonna, that are going to be impacting their employees. So I think it's good to be sensitive to those things, and I think it's also important as an employer, like if you're in a Christian employer, to be very careful with how you talk about your faith. I think sometimes people think that they're witnessing to their employees, when actually it might be perceived that they're being somewhat intimidating. They're intimidating their employers, uh, I mean their employees with their faith and their what they think is gentle witnessing, the employee might go, wait a minute, I think you're kind of over the top here. So I think it's very important to be sensitive to spiritual issues in the workplace for these reasons. Hmm.
0: So do you find people that have come to your church after they left a toxic situation in somebody else's church, do you find, how do, how do you help them move past being a little paranoid, being a little skeptical, being a little standoffish, being a little unnoncommittal because they've been hurt? How do you yeah, help them that, move past that?
2: Yeah, that's, that's, very, that's a very real problem, because that's exactly how people feel. They don't want to engage. Their trust level, like, well, that's why I call the book, the book Broken Trust. They don't have any trust in church or in organized religion. So um, I've been very aware of that, probably because of my own situation, my own experience with being let down in a church setting. And I, what I, I tell them once I identify that that's been a problem, I say, you know what, I just want you to come. And just sit in the back row, and I'm not going to ask anything of you, okay? Because you're in a healing process, you're in a healing uh, moment, you're in a healing season, and for me to ask anything of you would really be adding salt to your wound. You need healing right now, so you just sit back there. And I realize that every every person heals at a different in a different time frame, so you just sit there and you receive ministry from us. And you know, I might check back with you every so often to ask you to engage. But just know that we're not going to pressure you to engage. Uh, we're not going to pressure you to be here. We're not going to pressure you to give money. We're not going to pressure you to volunteer. We just want you to heal. And what they need to it just having that conversation alone communicates to the person, this wounded person, that this is, hey, this is a safe place. No one's ever told me that before. No one's ever said, I'm giving you permission to do nothing. And when they see that kind of permission, it just gives them a, the ability to have, take a big breath of air and say, uh, okay, that's, that's so good to hear. I think this is a safe place.
1: Well, you know, one of the things you said that just is encouraging there is the fact that you took time to you find out where they're at and then you um, have a conversation about that. So thank you for that example.
2: Sure. Remy,
0: how can people follow
1: you?
2: Uh, I have a, a blog called uh, Reading Remy. Or, so reading like a book, com, and you can find my, all my books and different blog, blog, blog posts there.
0: Can they uh, live stream your, uh, your church services on Sunday morning?
2: Yeah, you can. We have a, a, uh, our church website at cedarbrookchurch.net, and then we do live stream on Facebook. Cedarbrook Church has a Facebook page, and we live stream the sermons on Sunday mornings. Fabulous.
0: I love that. Remy Diederich, thanks for calling in from Menominee, Wisconsin today. Thanks for doing a great job just highlighting an, an issue that we all have to deal with to a certain extent and for just being open and honest about it and sharing. Remy Diederich, thanks for being on iWork for him today.
2: Thanks, Jim and
0: Martha. Thank you. You know, I, I just encourage you, go on to his website, readingremy.com, get a copy of this book, Broken Trust. This is a resource for everybody, not only to identify, are you in one of those situations, but are you part of the problem? Mm-hmm. That's a big thing as well. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. we figured out that our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.